That is the clap of people who need a warm beverage. It is a cold morning. Warm beverages are that way if you need them. Uh, and restrooms are that way if you need those because sometimes warm beverages lead to a need to go over there. Um, my name is Mark Dickman. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, practical application, these little cards that are on your chair, uh, please take them with you. Uh, I'll, I'll get more in detail about what these are all about, but uh, please make sure that these cards go in a purse, in a pocket. Yeah, so follow them away for later. We'll, we'll get to what those are about in just a second. As uh, we lead into where we're going this morning, we are continuing our series called One Story. We're looking at Jesus' parables. His, one of his distinctive styles of teaching was to teach in parables, in, interesting, winsome stories that maybe had a superficial meaning that you can kind of grasp, but if you spend a little bit more time, you dig down underneath the surface and you realize there's really something rich and intense that Jesus is saying that may not be, a para- may not be apparent at first look. And last week we paused during our community celebration, and we're now continuing our series on the parables of Jesus during this one story series. We have had an opportunity to listen to a number of different voices from stage as we've been going through this series. And in just a little bit, you'll be able to meet uh, someone I'm going to interview in just a sec who's going to provide his own unique voice to this series and in the parable that we're going to investigate today. To lead into the parable today, the band is going to play a song by Mumford & Sons off their new album that is a really, really good setup to the tension points that we're going to explore today. Uh, Our guest speaker has a little bit of resonance with this particular story of what it means to be waiting and then what does it mean to really engage. And that's really the tension of this song. We are called to rest like the initial song gave us an opportunity to reflect upon. Rest is good and waiting on God is good and waiting for God's direction in our life is good. But then in light of the panorama of really critical issues in our city and in our world, how do we engage? And this song by Mumford & Sons helps sets the tone for where we're going to go today. So with that, thanks for coming to Warehouse. Today, we take a look at the parable that is known to everyone in this room called the Good Samaritan. You may not have ever read it. You may not have even heard of it. But you certainly know the context of it because Good Samaritan as a phrase or as a descriptive is something that we're very well familiar with. Today, we're going to take a good look at what Jesus said and some very practical applications of this and how this parable, I think, can challenge and stretch us maybe in some ways that we don't see at first blush. Luke recorded this story in his 10th chapter of his biography of Jesus, and it goes like this. Once one of the experts in the law, the Old Testament law of Moses, stood up to test Jesus and said, Master, what must I do to be sure of eternal life? What does the law of Moses say, and what has your reading taught you? said Jesus. Well, the law says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself, he replied. Quite right, said Jesus. Do that, and you will live. But... The man who, wanting to justify himself, continued, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave him the following reply, and here's the parable. So a man was on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of bandits who stripped him off his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead. And so it happened 
that a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. A Levite, another religious person, came on the scene, and when he saw him, he too passed by on the other side. But then a Samaritan traveler came along to the place where the man was lying, and at the sight of him, he was touched with pity. He went across to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put him in, on his own mule, brought him to an inn, and did what he could for him. Next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the words, Look after him, please, will you? I will pay you back whatever more you spend when I come through here on my return. Which of these three seems to you to have been a neighbor to the bandit's victim, Jesus asked. And the man replied, The man who gave him practical sympathy? Then you, go and give the same, replied Jesus. Now, within the context of our culture, I mean, let's be honest, for most in the larger culture, Jesus is a good man who was a good moral teacher and taught people a lot of good things on how to live. And this is often looked upon as exhibit A and what a nice guy Jesus was and how he taught us how to live well, right? Isn't the point just to be nice? Just to be kind, look for opportunities to be kind. Isn't that the point of the Good Samaritan? I mean, that's certainly how our culture defines this parable. And certainly I'm not advocating that we be mean. But I think we're missing the real depth and richness of this parable if we just limit it to be nice. You see, Jesus was very intentional in the characters that he used in this parable. He used Jews and Samaritans, and the good guy in the story is a Samaritan. And when Jesus' listeners heard this, their ears pricked up because Samaritans were half-breeds and they were not liked at all. They were despised. And here is Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, telling his audience that the good guy in the story was a despised Samaritan. And the, the nature of Jesus' teaching is... Sometimes his words were very comforting, and sometimes his words were very disturbing. And I think what we need to consider today, and the angle and the direction that I'm going to go today, is I believe Jesus is calling us to consider, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, what it looks like to really follow him and to live out radical love in ways that are extremely inconvenient. Because Jesus claimed to be the king of Israel. And when he came, he came to inaugurate his kingdom, his kingdom reign. The Bible uses phrases like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the heavens. Jesus says, I'm a king, and this is the kingdom that I'm ushering in. And he said, my kingdom, if you choose to be a part of it, my kingdom is based on values and ethics that are far, far different from anything that you know. And Jesus is asking each and every one of us to look at our own hearts and say, who are those people in our lives who are exceedingly difficult to love? Who are those people whom we come into contact with for whom we don't want to extend practical kindness? Or we just find it so inconvenient or we just don't know how, so we choose to avoid it. Now, there aren't many people in this room, there are some, there aren't many people who will go about their days and actually have to confront people bloodied and bruised along the side of a road. 
Most of us won't encounter that. But every one of us in this room will encounter a scene where you're driving along and you come up to an intersection and you see a neighbor holding a sign that says, please help. And there are some of you, based on where you work, who as you walk to the office, you will pass by some of those same people. And today, we're going to take a very direct look at what if the people in the story are not along the side of a road, but what if they're the people that are maybe on the median in the road, or maybe they're the people that we pass by? How do we engage? I've been a pastor at Warehouse for a little over 12 years, and I know that one of the things I love about Warehouse is that we do engage with the issue of homelessness in this city. But I also know that when volunteer opportunities arise for serving our homeless neighbors, I also know that, it's ver- that those volunteer slots fill up very, very slowly. There are some in this room who find it very, very easy to love homeless neighbors and to engage in practical sympathy toward them. Most of us, I think, struggle with that. So today, we're going to take perhaps a disruptive and maybe even a little bit of uncomfortable look to say what might it look like to engage with our homeless neighbors with the same type of love that that Good Samaritan demonstrated. Not easy love, inconvenient love. And in doing so, I'm going to interview Matt Shaw from Speak Up Magazine. Some of you might know Matt, and for those of you who don't, this video will introduce you to him. So take a look. Speak Up is a street magazine, and street magazines are sold around the U.S. and around the world exclusively by homeless people. And Speak Up provides a voice for people who are homeless or low income, as well as a job opportunity. Our vendors function like small businesses. We sell them the magazine for half price, and they resell it at full price, and they keep the profit. People who are really willing to get out there and work at it and um, treat it like a real job, it it can provide enough income to pay rent, to pay for a cell phone, to put food on the table. I have the potential to actually create my own income. That's one thing I like about this magazine. It allows me the ability, instead of asking for a handout, you know, I can actually get out here and do something with myself and it gives me a sense of pride and dignity. We are incredibly dependent on volunteers. Everyone around me is a volunteer. Um, Volunteers put together our magazine, they edited it, they wrote it, uh, they took the pictures for it. We had people volunteer to design it. So for every every aspect of, of operation, we need people to step in and help. Ladies sitting in the back, this is in fact Matt Shaw, not Keanu Reeves. I don't know if you notice the resemblance, but just breathe easy. It's, it's Matt. Thanks for coming. There is a similarity. I wish I should have asked Steve for the, for the comparison, uh, the headshot comparison. Uh, I was first introduced to Speak Up Magazine a number of years ago through Troy and Christina Felton, and I followed their progression of their business with real interest. So thank you, Matt and Lana, for being here this morning to kind of share your story as we take a very particular look at this parable and see maybe what you've learned along the way uh, in applying kindness practically to, to neighbors here in Charlotte. Uh, take us to the beginning, Matt. You Take us to that defining moment of yours as a high school teacher. 
how did God get your attention and, and what did you do with that? Okay, so this is, uh, this is kind of the heart origins of Speak Up. It's a very personal story, not mm-hmm. something I share a lot. But uh, the, the idea for Speak Up uh, really came about in April of 2009, but I have to go back to 1999, 1998, something like that. When I was a high school senior, um, just about to graduate, I was laying in bed and had this thought, and it was, okay, I'm a Christian. I need to be a lot more vocal about my faith. I need to make my belief in God more a part of my public identity. Um, and then I thought, well, that wouldn't be very cool. I think I'll wait till after high school. And that's what I did. Uh, but I didn't just wait Nobody till Nobody in here can relate <laughs> to that story at all, so continue. Yeah. But I, I really felt like that kind of defined the next decade of my life, and it was a decade of not yielding, mm-hmm. not fully yielding to God. So while there was one part of my heart that like wanted to engage with God, there was another part that I wanted to control my reputation and, and didn't want to go all in. Uh, but there came this moment, like in 1990, uh, 2008, where I just, it was like I kind of hit a breaking point, and I couldn't do it anymore. And um, I had to go all in and surrender my whole heart, and surrender every aspect, aspect of my life. Um, and it was, not, it was not easy, but what, what came out of that was like this new person happening in me. Um, and it was like I developed spiritual hunger that I'd never had before and a desire to pray. And I could remember what I read in the Bible and this belief that I could actually hear from God. Um, and so I was kind of operating in that mode um, moving forward into 2009 when my dad, who started a magazine like this in the Philippines, said, you should do one of these in Charlotte. And uh, at the time, it didn't seem like a good idea. My wife was pregnant. I had a pretty stable job, and um, but there had been this tapping on our hearts for a long time. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor. And so I took took some time to seek direction about this. So I took a couple days and to quiet out all the distractions. I I fasted and prayed. Um, at the end of at the end of those couple days, I was in the shower, and this chapter from the Bible jumps into my head, Proverbs thirty one, and I thought that's a I know exactly what that's about. It's about the godly woman. It has nothing to do with what I've been seeking direction for. But, but I had your wife tape that <laughs> in the shower for you to kind of look at you. Um, that was good. Um, uh, so, but I was, I was certain that I was going to hear from God. So I thought, okay, I'll read this chapter anyway. Uh, so I started reading and I get a couple verses in and Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Uh, right there. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Speak up for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And that was like this moment of, wow, this is a new direction for us. It's not just about poor people. It's about giving a voice to them. And so that kind of, that, that, was, that was the moment where Speak Up was born. Hmm. So now you have the, the vision. You've t- kind of gone from the, the shadows and said, all right, God, I'm ready to be all in. And now you have this, this vision for speaking up and, and advocating for those who don't have a voice. So now you're in the cha- you have the challenge of, of starting your business, raising money for that. But then you also, through some twists and turns, have to depend on some government and social services agencies in a profound way. How did that chapter of your life shape you? Yeah, when we were first starting out, I had no idea what, what course things were going to take. And parallel to this huge faith conviction that, hey, this is the direction we need to go, was a 
a close friend who wanted to donate um, about a year's worth of startup costs. So uh, it was it was it was not just um, ex exciting, but we felt very safe. And um, so I've given my notice to my teaching job, and we're moving forward. And then this donor says, "Hey, I can't make the donation right now. Things aren't where I thought they were. I can do a loan. It's going to have to be with interest." And so it was like, wow, how much do we believe that this is where we're supposed to go? Um, we did not feel comfortable about taking a loan uh, of that size. And um, so we kept going forward, but with no job. And um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of learning in there. And the, the kind of the foundation laying time for Speak Up was a combination of seeing God's incredible provision uh, where people would buy us groceries not knowing we needed it or pay our electric bill or uh, give us a check. Um, so seeing God's faithfulness, but also kind of scrambling and panic. And um, at one point we were on government food assistance and uh, insurance and I worked construction and built websites. We even moved in with my parents for a few months to kind of keep the ship afloat. Um, but yeah, there was, this, there was this moment where I was in so a social services agency with a lot of big application, a bunch of personal documents, and just looking around at, at all the, f the very rough-looking folks around me, and I just thought, man, Lord, you've got me in school. Um, this, is, this is not something, this empathy that I'm going to come out of this with is not something I ever could have learned in any other way. Um, and it's not just having an experience, but like the psyche that the, the way that I actually saw the world for, the, for a season of like, you know, I'm less than or we don't have enough or we're poor or something like that, which I know those things were really true, but, but it was just the financial hardship created that, um, I guess, that empathy. And mm -hmm. that was something that, that I needed um, that I didn't have before to be able to hear people's stories. Uh, rather than just see their problems. You weren't just writing academic <laughs> papers about homelessness. You were experiencing the reality of what many people go through on a daily basis. Yeah, cer certainly not, not on that level, but we were experiencing financial heat all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you're currently, uh, as, as the money eventually did come in and, pe and people responded, uh, you moved to your, your office, and Speak Up Magazine has their office at Area 15 over on the other side of town at North Davidson, real close to the arts community and real close to some other government, so, uh, social, uh, government uh, social agencies and, and some of the, the ministries that really serve homeless mm -hmm. neighbors. Um, how is Speak Up Magazine different from a government service agency? Yeah, well, Speak Up is different from, I think, just about everything else in Charlotte. For one thing, we're a magazine. We're different from any other magazine. Um, we, well, we don't have a lot. We don't have many ads in the magazine. Um, the only way to get the magazine, for the most part, is to buy it from someone who's homeless or vulnerably housed. Um, but yeah, we—I mean, we're definitely—we we certainly don't have the the resources and the staffing and all that of a government organization. But I think we do something really special, and that's to uh, t someone can walk in off the streets and into our office. We take them through training, have them sign uh, sign to this code of conduct basically identifies their relationship with us, in which they're an independent contractor, our expectations for them. We give them a uniform, and then we give them five magazines, help them find a public place to sell those. Uh, they go out, sell them, sell those five magazines for four bucks each. They make $20, and then if they want to walk away and be done, they can be. 
which, which some people do. But if they have kind of caught the spark of, um, here's a way for me to go forward um, where I'm putting, I'm putting work into it and that's giving me something special I, I'm not getting anywhere else. They can come back, buy more magazines for half price and you know, those five magazines can become more and become more and build and build and build. And, and I want to ask you about that in, in particular. So you're, um, again, you're, you're advocating a particular approach mm -hmm. to serving homeless neighbors. Um, not the end-all, be-all approach, but a particular approach that God's called you to. So within the realm of, uh, of the vendors, uh, some, of, some of whom we saw in the promo video there, what do you think is a realistic income goal for a vendor? How, how do you kind of encourage them, like, um, this is realistic for you to achieve? What does that, what does that yeah. look like? Uh, my, my desire would be to see a vendor sell 20 magazines a day, which uh, their profit of, for each of those is two bucks, so they would make $40 a day, 200 a week. Um, we've, I mean, we've had vendors who have hit over 350, uh, but I'll, I'll be really pleased once, once they're, they're, they're making $40 a day, which um, when you're kind of going from zero is enough to do a lot of things. Well, and one of those stories of a person who has experienced that transformation is Angela, and she can tell her story better than we can. So why don't we take a good look at uh, an individual live tube who's been transformed by connecting with Matt and Lana and Speak Up, and her story uh, is that it is possible. Yes, it's a real job for me because what, it, what, it's, what I've learned since I've been selling magazines for like the last two months, maybe three months, I've I built up my, I learned how to communicate with people. My people skills are better. I can deal with people better. You know what I mean? Usually, I wouldn't even care what nobody thought or what you said. I always trying to, my opinion was the right. I would, but no, 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 no. That's not the way it goes. I'm learning to build my people skills up, to deal with people, to deal with rejection, you know, and the no's, and, you know, just being a part of some, something positive. Once I got here, you know, and met Mac and Rob and everybody, you know, I, kept, you know, I began to feel comfortable and safe. You know, I had one problem when I got here in my mouth. I didn't have teeth. My front teeth was gone due to my drinking and drugging. So I really didn't have that much confidence. So but, but one day I was talking to Mac and Rob in the car, and I was telling them that's all I wanted, just to get my teeth fixed, you know? And I didn't know how God was going to do it or how Mac or Rob was going to do it. But I just remember them saying to me, it's going to get done. Just believe in God will make a way. And through selling magazines, I was able to get my teeth fixed. And this means so much to me, just to have a pretty smile again, just to have a smile. So now when I'm out there selling my magazines, I can speak up and loud and proud. I'm thankful for God just delivering me from the street life, the drugs, the alcohol, because I've been doing that stuff for like 30 years. You know what I'm saying? So I... I'm just grateful that I got a new chance, a new, another chance to um, reach some of my goals, you know what I mean? Because I should have been dead, seriously. I should have, like, really been dead with the lifestyle that I was living. But now I, I just find, when I wake up in the morning, I just know, I find peace with myself. I got peace with me. It doesn't matter to me if you forgive me or not or what. As long as I got peace with me at the end of the day, I'm all right.
I didn't laugh. We didn't laugh. We didn't sit around and talk. You know what I mean? It was always what I could just get out of somebody, not what I could give. But now it's what I, I flipped it. Now it's what I'm giving. What can I give? And I flipped it around. You know what I'm saying? Somebody comes to me and I'm working selling my magazine. I get to talk to and help another person, whether they buy the magazine or not. I let them know that there is hope. There's hope. Don't give up. It's hope. It's hope. Whatever you're facing, whatever, because if God did it for me, I was homeless, I was on drugs, I did all that stuff. He brought me out. Why can't he bring the next person out? Why wouldn't he bring the next person out? It's not why can't he, why wouldn't he? You know, so that's, I'm just giving it back to the community. You know what I mean? Part of me, my life, my experience. So let's be exceedingly practical. Again, there are people in this room who find, who engage with our homeless neighbors naturally and easily. It's just a passion of theirs and, and no problem. Most of us, though, that's a struggle. And you are in the thick of, of serving our homeless neighbors in very practical and real ways. Here we have a parable where a, a good Samaritan demonstrates practical kindness to someone who, is, who he would be disinclined to, to help otherwise. How do you counsel and coach us as we see that neighbor with the cardboard sign or as we're walking by the person on the street asking for a little something? How, how do you challenge us and, and counsel us in that regard? Yeah, like you said in your, um, your intro earlier, we, we are, we're all going to encounter those people. So the first thing I would encourage would be to pray for them before you see them, pray for them before you encounter them, um, because you, can, you, you, you know you're going to. And I, I kind of look at the parable of the Good Samaritan and think that um, his action wasn't just something sp spontaneous, but it kind of came from a place of readiness and preparation with God. Um, so be praying for wisdom. Be, uh, you know, you, Lord, I know that I'm going to see people today or this week. How do you want me to respond? So being prepared, um, knowing that they're, an, they're not a scary person, um, they might not have a house, but it doesn't mean that they're a certain way. I have a friend who, um, someone said to him, I don't know how to talk to homeless people. My friends will, do you know how to talk to people? Because that, that's, that's all it is, is, is talking to people. Um, maybe if you have time, you can pull over and grab a cup of coffee with them. Maybe that, that wouldn't be the best discretion, or maybe you don't have time. I think uh, being prepared, we're, we actually are, just last week we... Uh, started this project with the high school where I used to teach. High school kids are going to put together these outreach packs for us. They're going to get an envelope. They're going to put in a $5 McDonald's gift card, a bus pass, an informational card about Speak Up, and then a handwritten encouraging note, which they've done. Seal those up, and so when someone comes up to your car, if you don't have time, you give them food, you give them transportation to opportunity, and you give them a little spark of encouragement. And mm. I just think that the preparation, thinking ahead and being prepared is, is really key. Mm -hmm. It's going to look different for everybody. And remembering at the core, regardless of the approach that we take, because we could probably line up 10 different advocates for homelessness and we might get 10 different answers sure. to that question, but to treat them as people created in God's image. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, cards on your chairs are designed not just to be interesting visual aids, but we want you to take these with you 
and kind of as a practical application, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, uh, as a practical homework application to say, all right, I'm going to at least file these away and see how God might allow me to use these in a, in a meaningful way to help serve someone. How might you encourage us very practically with something like this? Uh, this is the first batch of what we hope to be yeah. many different kinds of tools like this. Yeah. And thank well, you for sponsoring all of these. For sure. This Appreciate is, it. Warehouse has contributed to these, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we have tons of these, enough for everyone to have a, a handful. Put them in your wallet or in your purse, and when someone comes up to you and um, asks you for money, however you respond, include this as part of your response because it directs them to us. Um, financial opportunity brings them in the door, but they get connected in a lot more ways beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that's been uh, thought-provoking for me as I've watched Speak Up grow and as I've read through their magazine and looked at, at, the, at the opportunities of influence in this city for, for Speak Up, uh, because we do have partnerships with Family Promise and Urban Ministry Center, so we've been pretty connected to different homeless agencies in the city. Um, there's a, a particular quote that I think is very resonant with regard to the mission of Speak Up magazine. The translation of the Bible that I've been reading a lot of recently is a translation written by N.T. Wright, a theologian in England. And in his commentary on the Good Samaritan passage, he says, no church, no Christian can remain content with easy definitions which allow us to watch most of the world lying half dead in the road. And I was very struck by that quote because it's easy, I think, to have a pretty easy, simplistic definition of what a Good Samaritan is. Yet, in ways that only he can, gently and persistently, I think Jesus calls us to look at our neighbors in new ways, maybe with new eyes, and to see them, you know, to Matt's point, as human beings, as individuals. Um, I think in our dark moments, there are plenty of us in this room who could recall moments where we pretended to be on the phone, or when we just looked straight ahead, or when we fumbled around pretending like, oh, surely there's cash here somewhere. That's a tension point that a lot of us have been in, and that's fine. But now we have an opportunity to say, okay, if for those of us in this room who really believe that we've been extended mercy by Jesus, now we, t- we get to be people who can extend mercy and practical kindness to people in our neighborhood and in our city and even people who will very soon be coming into these walls or in these uh, doors being served through these walls. And so um, thank you for stretching our thinking, for challenging us, and Lana, if you would come up, uh, it would be an honor for me to pray for you too. And thanks for stretching our Thank perhaps you. easy definitions of what homelessness and our neighbors look like. And Matt and Lana together are the, are the tag team leadership of Speak Up Magazine. They will be in the coffee room after the service. Uh, they, this is a first edition, which many of you have seen. Perhaps you've even purchased one from a vendor if you work uptown. Issue number two has just come out, and we have plenty of of issues for you to just take if you'd like to, to get a a sense for the quality of the publication, for the creativity creativity in it. Some of you have contributed to this magazine. Some of you, God may be prompting you to contribute. If you'd like to pick up a magazine, please feel free to do so. They'll be in the coffee room. If you'd like to plunk down $4 in cash and buy one as a way of kind of investing in the future of Speak Up, 
that's available to you as well. But Matt and Lana, about any questions or curiosity that you might have, they'll be available in the coffee room afterwards just to kind of engage with you as you might take another step into saying, how might God be prompting me forward? So let me just pray for you guys and for your work and uh, with real appreciation. Thanks for your time this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for our friends who graciously and winsomely uh, challenges, uh, challenge us to think about uh, how your words can penetrate our heart and may be profound in new ways. Thank you for people who have boldly said, here I am, God, use me. We know that uh, they have taken steps at great risk to themselves uh, financially and with their convenience, but their lives are, are beautiful reminders of what you can do in and through us. You don't call us to something and you don't equip us to fulfill your calling. And so thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and what you will do through Matt and Lana, through their vendors, and through the vision that is Speak Up magazine. We're privileged and blessed to have shared time with them this morning. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How about a round of applause? Thank you. I don't think we planned it this way. But now we're going to do an infant dedication, and it's interesting that the family that we're going to wrap around is actually a family who engages in the issue of homelessness, perhaps as winsomely as any family I know. Uh, Rusty and Kristen Randalls, if you can come on up, there's a little cadence there, and we're going to dedicate Ruslan Sierza Randalls this morning, our little lion. One of the cool things about the last time we hosted Family Promise here, uh, the Randalls stayed all week as, as host for when we were serving homeless families. And one of the really cool things about Ruslan is if you know Ruslan, um, he's a hugger. If you've been around the halls of Kids Warehouse, you will in all likelihood be, be attacked with loving hugs from this little lion. And he was a real bridge builder the last time we hosted Family Promise because Ruslan does not discriminate he hugs anyone. Um, and he was a really great connection, connection point for families who stayed here during the week and some of the, some of the volunteers who, who came. So uh, a beautiful demonstration, I think, of that same type of, of radical generosity. You guys have been an inspiration to so many of us. So it's a privilege to dedicate Little Ruslan today. Nicole Walker is our director of early childhood uh, ministries downstairs, and she will be assisting in our dedication this morning. Uh, this is a dedication which is different from a baptism, and I just want to highlight one particular thing. As I met with Rusty and Kristen beforehand and asked them why you want to dedicate Ruslan, they said, uh, we want baptism to be his decision. And so as caretakers for little Ruslan, they want to prepare him for that, for that day when he would one day uh, express a desire to be baptized himself as he expresses faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So what I'm going to do is ask you, Rusty and Kristen, some questions, and then I'll ask some questions to the, the community of Warehouse. So, Rusty and Kristen, are you bringing forth Ruslan to be dedicated because of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? By dedicating Ruslan, is it your sincere desire that he will one day embrace faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior? As Ruslan's parents, do you commit to doing all that you can to grow in wisdom and faith in order to create a Christ-centered home for Ruslan. And for those of you who call Warehouse 242 your home, 
Is it your sincere desire to walk alongside Rusty and Kristen in order to love and encourage them and do all that you can to create a loving, Christ-centered church environment in which Ruslan can grow? Oh, you are muscle and steel. There are folks over there too. Ruslan Sierza Randles. Because of your mom and dad's faith in Jesus and because of their sincere desire that one day you would profess faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I dedicate you with oil, symbolizing God's presence by his Holy Spirit. And I dedicate you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May God's blessing be upon you. Yeah, buddy. If you are friends and family of the Randalls and you'd like to join us in prayer for this little guy, why don't you come on up now and we'll lay hands on them and we'll pray blessing on them. A lot of love for this family. Let me pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for the Randalls. Thank you for the way that they demonstrate love and commitment to you in winsome and beautiful ways. And we're grateful for the journey that brought them to Ruslan and the journey of Ruslan's life that brought them to the Randalls. And we pray that you would uh, bless his life. And by this dedication this morning, Holy Spirit, would you... Um, stir in his heart, and would you um, just pursue him in beautiful ways. We, we ask for your protection on him in Jesus' name, and we pray that very soon, in his own way, he would express with his heart and his, and his mouth the fact that he loves you, Jesus, and he wants to follow you with his whole life. That is our earnest desire and prayer this morning. So as their community, give us the strength to wrap our arms around the Randalls, to encourage them, and to love on them, and bless their children, especially Ruslan this morning, and um, pursue him in beautiful ways, whether to the left or to the right, that he would hear your voice saying, this is the way, Ruslan, walk in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the time during the morning where we get to respond. And we respond through our offering and then also through responding through music. So for those of you who desire to contribute to our mission, to not only keep the lights on, but also to create a home for homeless neighbors, again, starting in November and throughout the coldest winter months, your financial generosity allows this mission to continue. We really desire that as our hearts grow and our hearts change and as we become more and more like that, beautiful image of that Good Samaritan, that our community, our city, and our world re will rejoice that we're here. So out of your response to contribute to fueling that vision, we invite you to give generously uh, during this time of response. If you don't give online, this is your opportunity to, to put something in the baskets as they, as they come by, and then we'll respond with music as well. So I bless you with these words. May the grace of our Lord Jesus, 
and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and this week. Go in peace.